Welcome to The Insight. As Hollywood prepares for what could be the biggest holiday movie season in years, forecasters are already beginning to analyze what movies will be in the hunt for Academy Awards next spring. They include Steven Spielberg's new autobiographical movie, The Fablemans. Also generating buzz are Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a new thriller starring Kate Blanchett entitled Tar, and the Hollywood period piece Babylon from director Damien Chazelle. I am Jim Chabin in Los Angeles, and with me is Wim Byans. He serves as CEO of Cineonic, and he joins us live from Brussels, Belgium, where it's evening. Good evening, Wim. Hey, good morning, Jim. Good to hear you. Wim, I saw some uh, statistics this week about the overall health of the, of the movie business, and it said that we're probably going to finish the year maybe uh, down 30% from the pre-pandemic levels. Yeah. But what was interesting is... They compared it to the airline industry and the hotel industry. They are absolutely all three as industries pegging very closely together so that roughly the airlines and uh, the hotel industry are about 70% of their pre-COVID peak levels. So it feels as if we're a part of a bigger economy that is trying to rebound. What do you make of that? No, you're right. I think we had uh, the other week, last week, we had a show East in Miami, right? And it, it came up also there that... Uh, we typically like to compare to 2019, but maybe we need to stop comparing with 19 and just start growing from where we are. To your point, I think that the 70% seems to be right. And it feels we all would want to be back on 19, but 19 were record levels, right? And then looking at the other industries, which also had, uh, you could say, a near-death experience, uh, it just takes a while. So I think that the 70%, even though a year ago we probably would say we're expecting more, I think that that's not a bad mark to be at. More important is that we keep on growing. We need to grow year on year. I think that has to be uh, the model we need to get into. And I think that the outlook for next year, I'm more keen on, on that, that is growth versus that it's 70% or whatever this year, right? Well, we wanted to take this week and really drill down a little bit into the business of the, of the movie industry, and we couldn't have a better guest. No, you're right, Jim. Our guest today is Tim Richards, who serves as CEO of View International Cinemas. Since its founding in 1999, VIEW has grown to operate more than 2,000 screens in more than nine countries, this including Europe and UK. The company features premium luxury seating and cutting-edge sound and projection. In 2021, Tim was named as chairman of the British Film Institute and also serves as a director of the UK Cinema Association. He joins us from London. Welcome, Tim Richards. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Tim, thank you very much for making the time in your busy schedule. Let me start first of all here. So how do you feel about the cinema business looking into 2022 and going into the fourth quarter? What are the customers telling you? Well, I think, I mean, what we've seen in the last 12 months, really, really in the post-pandemic era, is two of the four biggest movies in UK history have been released during that period. But it's a full range of films. I mean, it's everything from Spider-Man to, to Bond, which led to the biggest month of October in last year in history, to the absolutely phenomenal Top Gun, which we all know is kind of just past 1.5 billion. So our audiences are there, absolutely are desperate to come out, probably more so than they ever have been. But we're also seeing small films like Belfast, you know, the highest grossing black and white film in history. 
And you know, you can imagine you can imagine the Hollywood pitch on that one when when uh, when it was looking out with uh, kind of a a black and white autobiographical film about the troubles in Ireland. <laughs> right. Um, so. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, an extraordinary film, as we know. And, and uh, But I think right now we have all the evidence that we need that our customers want to come out and see a movie. What we're going through right now is we have a lack of supply, and that's the biggest issue right now. And I think what we're seeing is a production lag from the pandemic lockdown period. And there's so much content right now that needs to be actually shot that we're seeing bottlenecks, we're seeing skill shortages, particularly in the special effects area, and that's just creating a supply issue. And, and I think I'm very bullish on the business generally, but I think we're going to have a pretty bumpy road for the next 6 to 12 months until we get back into a more normalized trading pattern. I think what I hear you saying is, Tim, and we, we touched it before, is the fact of, you know, we're trading on 30% for the year expectations, is that the, the lack of content is very much driving that, rather than the lack of people want to come to the theaters. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 not a coincidence that, I mean, Comscore reported that we're 36.5% fewer films released this year than 2019. And, you know, box office is down 30%. I mean, it, it's a pretty pretty clear <laughs> correlation there, but but I think that is going to change, and we've got some incredible movies coming up, uh, and we've seen we've seen overperformance in some movies, and I mean, Avatar is the one that everyone's waiting for, but we've got Black Panther, which looks like it's going to be incredible, and that'll really warm the audiences up to the extent they need a warming up for Avatar. You talk about the uh, the supply chain, and it's interesting that we as an industry can also talk about a supply chain issue. You have a role, you're, you're chair of the BFI, uh, British Film Institute. You have a really unique sense of the industry as a whole. Is the overall health of the movie industry good? And is the overall health of the movie production business healthy? If you want to come in and shoot your film, or your TV show in the UK right now, you're going to be looking at a two or three year delay. All the lots right now, all the sound stages are completely booked out, maxed out. So the demand is unprecedented. There is a very serious skill shortage, and that's something that we're trying to address the BFI government support. And I think, you know, from a UK standpoint, the reason the UK is really outperformed over the last five, 10 years is because of investments that were made 20 and 30 years ago in education and skills. And I look at what's been done here through the industry and with government and a lot of it with BFI support and backing, you know, it's approaching skills in a much broader sense. It's not just going in to be a writer or a director it's, it is a set design, it's carpenters, it's hairdressers, it's makeup artists. And it's really, you know, it's, it's the whole broad range that all needs to come together to create a film. And I think it's going into communities and telling communities that there's this really amazing business that actually is accessible. You know, and not only is it accessible, but we are desperate for, for, for skilled labor. 
And so, but but the training the training is real. I mean, there's a real shortage right now. Right, and the, the overall picture, what I think I'm hearing from you is we are in a very robust industry that has a very, very bright future out on the horizon. And uh, right now, considering the potential headwinds of an economy that is doubtful, it's it's reassuring to hear that the part of the world economy we're in seems to have a very bright future. Well, what I find really exciting right now is our relationship with the studios is the best it has ever been, certainly in the over 30 years I've been in the business. Um, there's always been discussions, arguments, principally around windows, the length of the window. And I think that looking at the industry generally, it was out of date and it was time for a change. Uh, unfortunately, it took a pandemic to do it. But, but I think what certainly it allowed the studios to go out and really trial and test independently what it was like to release their films without cinemas. And, and I think, you know, what they have found without exception is that they didn't lose tens of millions, they lost hundreds of millions. And I can remember when I first joined the industry, you know, the saying then was that the theatrical release was really the engine that drove all the ancillary revenue streams and everything in those days from DVD sales and pricing was all based on box office. And I don't think that's changed. And the importance of a theatrical release has not changed. And I think the studios now have all embraced that. We've got a window, a theatrical release window that we're happy with, the studios are happy with, and it works, and it works for our customers as well. And our relationship with the studios now is about getting their movies out and promoting them and marketing them to our customers so they come out. So, Tim, tell us a, a little bit about your customer today. What do they want to see when they come back to the cinema? And do you feel that the habits have been changed over the last couple of years? No, I don't think habits have changed at all. And I, and I think, you know, we have seen, you know, those of us who have been through and been in the business for a while and been through ups and downs, I mean, I was my my first my first year in the business was in 1990 when when we had a massive big recession, and then we had the dot com crash, we had the financial crisis in 2007, 2008, and then this now and and I think what all of that proved is what's been proven for the last hundred years that we as an industry have been really counter cyclical to economic downturns. Whether this one's different, it's hard to tell. It doesn't feel different. But if you look at what's happened historically, our competition is other forms of out-of-home entertainment. You know, our, our competition is not Netflix or Amazon or Apple or anyone else. It's other forms out-of-home uh, out entertainment. And we compare very, very favorably from a pricing standpoint to any other form of out-of-home entertainment. And what's really interesting is if you look back when the first multiplex, certainly in the UK, opened up in 1985 at Milton Keynes, it was the first of its kind. No one knew how to price it. So what they did was, and I know because I know the team that were doing it, some of them are still working with me, they went into a pub, literally, with a stopwatch for a two hours and looked at how, my, how many pints of beer were being consumed. And the first ticket price full adult ticket price in the UK in 1985 was based on two and a half pints. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it's an interesting example because yes. 
it's it's kind of that 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 leisure time that's spent out of your home. And that's why, you know, we've always looked at other forms of out of home entertainment in terms of um, them being competition. Are there certain things that your local management teams can do to make value a part of the offer you give to your customers? Do you ask them to try different things or do you pretty much maintain your operations and your pricing as is? We've always prided ourselves in, in, in really being innovative and, and alongside of being highly analytical. And we've tried everything over the years. We've tried dining, we've tried love seats, we've tried bean bags. You know, we've got a graveyard of things that didn't work. <laughs> and, and I think for us, it's about back to basics. It's about the quality of the presentation and the comfort of the seats while you're watching a film. So. The change from slope floors to stadium seating was a game changer. You know, in those days, if you had a choice as a customer, it wasn't nine out of 10 times. If you had a choice, 10 out of 10 times, you would go to a stadium seating cinema. And I think you're seeing a little bit like that now with the recliner seats. The big issue has been pricing. And that is something that we, we've had a pricing department uh, for over 10 years. It's the one area that I had thought we were leagues behind other businesses. Not a lot of imagination other than a cheap Tuesday and a premium weekend. What we found is that um, over the last 20 years, ticket prices have really been inflation plus, and in some businesses, inflation plus plus. That is not sustainable. And you, you cannot continue at that level. And customers have responded by, by not coming at us frequently. So we've actually been working on pricing tactically and strategically now for a couple of years before the pandemic. We have had AI booking our screens now for eight years. And, and it's something that it's proprietary AI that we brought in and developed ourselves what does it do? Well, one of my biggest frustrations, and I think it's probably due to our kind of the analytical nature of the company historically, the one area that that we couldn't really analyze properly and effectively is what movie to show and what screen at what time. And we brought on a group out of the Bay Area who had designed all of the models for the hedge funds in New York. We started out with six cinemas, which were indicative of kind of the circuit, north, south, east, west, urban, and rural. And then around the 25th or 30th model, we started to feel like we were really onto something really interesting. And around model 30, 35, we rolled it out across the whole circuit. But the AI, it's an incredible tool. It's a predictive tool. And it tells us what content should be shown on what screen, at what time, and at what cinema. There's not a one-size-fits-all. It's different in every single cinema across the country. And now as we roll it out right across Europe too. So as a consequence, we play 50% more movies than our major competitors, factually. And that's because AI does that. AI determines that we've got a small Asian audience in Inverness 
and we'll bring them an Asian film. Um, and that's based on AI. We have an incredible, and this is not just a view, as an industry, we have an incredible amount of information, highly, highly detailed information. It's what you do with it that's important. But it took us two years to develop. Our insider today is View CEO Tim Richards. We'll be right back. The Insiders is proudly presented by Cineonic. Cineonic's future-ready enhanced services and technology solutions provide compelling cinema experiences, peace of mind, and financial flexibility. Today, with more than 95,000 projectors installed globally, cinemas around the world trust laser projection by Cineonic to power the next generation of moviegoing. Visit Cineonic.com today and discover why theaters look to Cineonic to provide the solutions of tomorrow today. Our insider today is VIEW CEO, Tim Richards, who joins us from London. Tim, VIEW prides himself for providing a premium cinema experience. What role do you think technology is playing in the guest experience? And what do you hope it to be in the future? Well, I think our priority right now is in the experience itself, the viewing experience. And that's where laser projector technology with incredible sound systems and comfortable seats is going to be the future. And when you watch a presentation, when you watch a movie, and, and we've done this recently because we're trying to gear up for Avatar and we want to make sure that we're throwing enough light under the screen for 3D. And, and a lot of, we still have silver screens, which absorb a lot of light. And you've just got to make sure that you throw enough light up there to make it an exciting, vibrant experience for a customer. But I think the role of technology is really, you know, I think 3D is going to be completely reinvented on the back of Avatar. And we're just trying to roll out as many laser projectors as we possibly can. We are all as an industry cash constrained after the pandemic. What we are doing is we're working very closely with our landlords and developers to demonstrate as anchor tenants, if they help us with major refurbishments, it doesn't just help us, it helps them as well. So we're, we're getting a lot of support from our landlords really working as partners with them as well. And that's, that's kind of the, the interesting part about our business. I mean, the ecosystem is, is kind of in, in a number of different areas, but it is with landlords, developers, and operators alongside of studios and suppliers as well. So it's a very big ecosystem with some kind of microsystems in it. Tim, you have a background with global experience in business. When you look for the next 10 to 5 years, how and where do you see cinema industry growing? Well, I, I think right now there's going to be a period of consolidation. And I think all of us as an industry survived. I think the future of the industry is going to be a really interesting one. I still believe in vertical integration and taking costs out. out. And I think you're going to see some of the big players come in and start to look at cinemas again. If you're an Amazon who believes in bricks and mortar, you know, they bought Whole Foods, they bought MGM. Why wouldn't you want to control your channels? Why wouldn't you want to have a big cinema chain there as well? And you can monetize your content in the best way that you think is appropriate. Um, and you're taking a lot of costs out, particularly in the distribution side, 
so I, th I think you're going to see vertical integration. I think you're going to see the distinction between old studios and the so-called subscription services disappear. Um, it's already starting, and I think the subscription services will become studios from a content perspective. So Amazon and Netflix could become film distributors, be in the business like Warner's or MGM or somebody else. Hundred percent. I mean, you yeah. look at M. You know, I mean, Amazon. You know, bought MGM, and yeah. you know they're going to be. You know, yeah. publicly they said they're going to be releasing. They're releasing roughly two feature films now. They want to ramp it up to ten, and I think they've done a really smart move. And they've they've kind of recognized they don't have the infrastructure right now to re release those films. So they've gone to you know one of the best guys in the business, Warner Brothers, to release their films for them. I think Netflix as well. I think they're kind of trying to find their way still a little bit directionally. But, um, you know, you cannot discount the $43 billion that we did in 2019, you know, and, and if you can understand that or, or if you can believe that you can monetize on your content without it affecting or cannibalizing on your subscription service, why wouldn't you do it? So I'm a streamer and I invest massive amounts of money for Martin Scorsese to make me a movie and I'm putting it on a subscription service. And if we've learned anything during the pandemic, you're leaving money on the table by not releasing that in theaters. It's a massive marketing benefit for you. It generates real dollars and excitement. So your point is, rather than the studios folding into streaming services, what we are going to see is the streaming services realize that the movie studio model of exhibition is a significant uh, business opportunity that they'll move if they're smart, they'll probably want to move into. That's really interesting. Well, it's, a, you know, a really simple way of saying it is there's multiple ways of monetizing your product. Right. And, and, and I think that's what people are going to see. I mean, and, you know, with high quality films as well, I think what you're going to see is cinemas are going to represent high quality pop entertainment. And it's not going to be just, films, it's going to be high quality television as well. And that's something I would love to do. I would love to try and test and show on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, um, you know, a, a Game of Thrones or, or a Queen's Gambit or high quality shows. And so the customers know when they come out that um, Tuesday night's going to be an episode of Game of Thrones. Do you have a, a sense of uh, what movies you think could be Oscar contenders as you look out over the next few months? Have you seen anything that you think is uh, Oscar worthy? Well, I, I I just saw 11 movies over the London Film Festival and don't make me choose in any of them because they were all absolutely extraordinary. But I think the one that really stood out for me that, I mean, I was really moved by quite a few of them, but um Till was the movie that really moved me. I I just um, I I thought it was absolutely incredibly well put together, and it's going to be an awards contender for sure. I think Aronofsky's The Whale uh, with Brendan Fraser was extraordinary. I thought I thought seeing Brendan Fraser back again is was was fantastic. But uh, very, I mean, I know it's had very mixed reviews, but I personally thought it was um, very, very compelling. And 
And uh, Jillian was dead. I mean, Pinocchio, I thought that was the one that kind of really surprised me. I was really moved. Yeah, 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 and and he came out and presented it at the film festival, and and it's just incredibly well done. But uh, but that's just a few of them. I I had I I, there's a lot of great great movies coming out right now. Knowing that you are in the the movie business makes me confident about the future. This is uh, this has been absolutely fantastic. And Wim, knowing that your technology teams are building the stuff to go into Tim Richards theaters, um, this has been a, a real up conversation. It's really, really, really nice that we could get some time of yours, Tim. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Wim and I will be right back. Wim, that that was a terrific conversation. Absolutely. Uh, I was so impressed with Tim and his vision for the exhibition uh, community. No, you know, I, I like Tim very much in the sense that he's, you know, he's got a, a strong Hollywood content studio background kind of thing. Then he, you know, is a strong businessman. He looks through new things. When he talks about pricing, when he talks about artificial intelligence, you know, he, he was one of the first ones bringing that up in a, in a profound way. And of course, he runs, you know, quite a, a strong exhibition chain. So, so I think he combines those things. So I think he always comes up with some smart ideas, which they are working on or, or what they're thinking on. And I think it, it's, it's always inspiring. Absolutely. His feeling about our part of the global economy seemed to be quite encouraging, that the business of making and releasing movies is going to be a very, very key part of the entertainment industry's economy, but that you could see streamers getting involved in uh, releasing movies into cinemas. That just sounded like a very robust, creative way to think about the future of the uh, the cinema business. It felt for me like we need to have patience because one thing is there's a massive amount of content created, right? Every stage, every place to shoot movies is packed these days. So that's one thing. And it is content in general, but also movie content. And then he said, if you really want to get money out of, when you have made a movie, you're going to have to show it in theaters. So those two combinations inevitably has to come together. And I think we have seen already, you know, how we moved from streaming day on day to, okay, we're going to give a window, right? Because it gets us more money and stuff like that. So, so the next thing is to happen now. It's maybe not yet this year or not significant this year. It's going to be partially next year and then the year after. So I think it was for me, we need to have some ice in the stomach, I like to call it, right? and sing this a little bit longer out, but it is, it's gonna happen. So I think that's also when I said about the business has to be, you have to see the growth within the business. And he gave a very strong, I think, direction that he's a believer there. Our quote of the day comes from one of the very first horror films in 1922. It was actually a German silent film and introduced moviegoers to Dracula as a frightening character. The movie was Nosferatu. And it showed a simple slide which viewers quickly learned was more menacing than it might have seen. On it, Dracula simply says, your wife has such a beautiful neck. Since then, more than 200 Dracula movies have tricked and treated audiences in the dark. Happy Halloween, everyone, and thank you for listening. The Insiders is presented by Cineonic and produced by the Advanced Imaging Society in Hollywood. Our executive producers are Adam Castles in New York and Mike Pilzecker in Los Angeles. 
Brett Harrison produced today's show, and our technical director is Matthew Bach Lombardo. This is AIS. <laughs>